Peace, everyone, and welcome to the Healing Space Podcast, Episode 2. I am your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo. I am so happy that everyone tuned into Episode 1, that you enjoyed what it is that you heard, and you gave such awesome feedback for the conversation between myself and Brandon. We had a great time recording it, so we're really happy that all of you enjoyed listening. With that being said, we're going into episode two, Strong. And today's conversation is going to be about healing through activism. And I'm going to be joined by my special guest, Mr. Rod Clever. But before that, there's time for your pop culture. (laughs) So we're going to heal through some pop culture with myself and, of course, the one and only Mr. Brandon Harris Williams. Welcome back, sir. I mean, you know that that, that there is only one you, right? Look, there is, and only will ever be. Very clear. (laughs) Not too much. Anyway, so (laughs) so the two of us, we actually weren't sure what we'd be able to talk about today because with the show airing on Friday, this is Tuesday, so we're like we don't really know how much we would have to talk about but then brandon brought up a really good point the two of us attended two awesome concerts this past week so it gave us something to talk about he attended the mary j blige concert and i attended the liz wright concert so it gave us a whole lot that we could discuss for our uh pop culture so we're gonna go right into that is that cool with you mr bhw that's fine mr (laughs) re Okay, so um, how was your weekend? Uh, it was great. I got to go see my girl, Mary Jane Blige, for the first time. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, she gave a really good show. Um, I, uh, I just really enjoyed it. I did. <laughs> um, not, no, I was like, there wasn't anything about her. I'm sorry. like the place would have been more full which i can i kind of get because of where it was you know what i'm saying but it still was a very nice sized crowd everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves um yeah you can't expect much when it's in macon you said what huh what'd you say hey i didn't hear you i'm sorry (laughs) anyway (laughs) she didn't dwell too much on that you know that fuck nigga that she divorces so thank god um so I enjoyed it. It was good. I had to support her because, you know, she got to pay him money. Mm-hmm. So I had to go give him my coin. You know, I know she's going through a lot. Okay. That was that was very sweet of you to support her. You know me. I'm nice. Okay. So I'm personally a fan of Mary J doing her kicks. Did you join in in any of the kicks or? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I really just wanted to go and enjoy it. Like I didn't need to record a lot. Because I, I didn't want to like necessarily be on my phone the whole time. Mm-hmm. And also, too, where I was, like, sitting, like, you know how when you're recording, you are closer than how it looks on your phone, if you get what I'm saying? Right. And so, she wasn't even up on, like, the big screen that much. They were doing, like, special effects and old video clips and, um, like, putting up every other word or whatever. It was, like, different lyrics to the songs or whatever, so it wasn't really, I couldn't, I recorded maybe one video, but I couldn't really constantly record because she wasn't even on the screen as often, so... Okay, got you. So, so you were busy jamming. You didn't really have time to record or anything. Exactly, I was all into it. I was all into it. That's unfortunate that you didn't get your your kicks in. I was expecting for you to stand up on a Burger King table or something. 
<laughs> okay, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> I'm gonna move on. Okay. Oh my gosh. How was your concert? <laughs> Honestly, nobody knows. Well, wait, wait. That was way too fast for yours. Okay, so share with me, share with me really quick. Were there any songs that you were really happy that she performed? There we go. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. I do too. I am too. <laughs> I got my tickets. I'm going to see Escape in December. Woo. I'm surprised the Netflix can still be in the same room. I'm going to keep saying that because I'm still surprised. <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm ready. Now for them, I might get up and kick it. Get off my shoes and I'm going to relax my feet. Yes. <sighs> so. <laughs> they approve that God is in the miracle working business. Yeah. I have so many responses to that, so many, but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna keep it moving on to my concert because you you asked how I enjoyed mine. And my artist, her name is Liz Wright. And for those who are not familiar with her, she is an amazing jazz singer. Like, oh my god. Like and I almost feel like it's not fair to say that she's just a jazz singer. I kind of feel like she's one of those out-of-the-box artists, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. But she has one of the greatest voices I have ever heard in my entire life. Without a doubt. I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. When you say out-of-the-box, what exactly does that mean? Like, she's doing a bunch of different things, or you can't quite... Well, no, I... Category, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel like she doesn't belong in just one genre. Because I feel like you can say that she's jazz, but you can also say that she's folk. You can also say that she has kind of a gospel feel, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Her voice is capable of going all over the place, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm like, but because of that, Lord, just the the power, the strength behind her voice. I'm going to be posting some of the uh, performances. I was waiting until after uh, this episode airs to post them. So since this is on Tuesday, on Wednesday, you all can go and check out my Instagram page and you'll see some of the performances from this past weekend. And she, oh my goodness, (laughs) you all need to check her out. But anyway, so yeah, so I ended up being late arriving, right? So when I end up getting there, I'm already pissed off because I'm in my Uber and I'm looking at the woman's GPS and I'm sitting there. So, of course, you know, I'm being polite. 
because she's giving me conversation. So I'm like, I appreciate that. She's a, she's a, she was a nice woman, but I'm not a big fan of when people can't own up to what they did wrong. So she's going in the complete opposite direction of what the GPS is saying. It's telling her to go south. She's going north. So I'm saying to her, I was like, uh, is your GPS telling you you should be going south? And she was like, no, why? Why do you say? And I was like, because I was reading it. And she was like, oh, and that's it. She left it at O. And she kindly decided that she was going to go south, but she wasn't going to take the exit that they told her to take. She went this serious roundabout that ended up getting me there a half an hour late. The good thing is, is that I was a half an hour late to doors opening, not to show starting. So when I get there, I'm like, okay, I I have an attitude, but let me calm myself down because hopefully we're still able to find a good ride. I mean, a good seat. So my friend George was already there and he comes and he comes around. He was around the corner and we both go walking in because I have the tickets. So once we get inside, we're going to sit a little further back. But then I'm like, you know, I've waited over a decade to see this woman live. I don't want to sit in the back. So he's like, he's all four sitting on the floor. So I was like, oh, come on. Because they gave me the impression it was going to be standing room only. Mm -hmm. But I was really happy to see that that wasn't the case. So we went up front and we sat dead center. And George will tell you, I'm sitting there the whole time like, this feels too good to be true. Like, why do we have such great seats? (laughs) Why why is it that there aren't more people sitting down here? Which is a... It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Listen. And that was... When I tell you those were amazing seats... um, Mm -hmm. I also want to give a shout out to uh, the artist who opened for uh, Liz. Her name was, make sure I get it right, Lita Lyric. Lita, L-E-E-D-A, Lyric. People need to make sure they look her up because I'm, uh, I've am i been proven wrong on more than one occasion with opening acts. I want so badly for the artist, uh, the featured artist to come on and perform that I'm kind of like, can you get this person out the way? Um, <laughs> I, saw, I saw Brandy in New York some years ago. And her opening act was Luke James. And I had met Luke at, uh, oh Lord, there's an event that takes place in Harlem in the park. Uh, The name completely escapes me now. Um, Lord, I'm so mad. But that's where I first met him. And he was really cool in person, but I never actually heard him sing. So when he got up to perform, I'm like, I just want Brandy. Can they please hurry up? But he sang, you hear me? And he does, he does do that. He, he does. really does. So when uh, I should have realized when Lita was getting up there that I was going to get the same, but her voice is very much in the vein of Indy Okay. And she she floored us. She really did. And I was like, that's how you have an opening act, really. But Liz is one of those artists where it, it gets to the point where you want almost every album to be live. <laughs> because why while, while she sounds amazing in the studio she changes your life live she changes your life live and i'm sitting there listening to her and the last thing i'll say as far as my experience is that she has several albums that she's released over the years and in 2005 she released an album called dreaming wide awake and it has my favorite song by her on it which is called old man So, mind you, she's touring right now promoting her latest album, which is called Grace. So I'm already understanding that most of the songs are going to be from Grace. So she gets up there to perform, and the majority of the songs, again, are from Grace. But I would say she maybe had three songs that were from different albums. Out of nowhere, she goes into Old Man, 
And when I tell you I lost my shit, (laughs) (laughs) I recorded the whole performance and you can hear me in the background saying she's performing my song. I'm so loud. Like I had tears. It was such an emotional experience for me because I didn't expect she would sing that particular song, you know? Um, and there was a woman behind me singing just as loud as I was. And I'm like, it was such a moment. It was really a moment. And I got to so meet her. So when we watch this performance, we, like, we gonna hear you all in the background when I hear her? No, I did, I did my best to not sing too loud. Because I was like, okay. no, I hate performance. I, I hate videos like that. So. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm about to say it. I'm not gonna watch it. Don't, don't. Here, here we go. Here we go. Listen, you, you don't get to say anything because you didn't kick at Mary J's concert. So that that takes away a lot of your rights right now. I just want to make that clear. Thanks. She kicking on stage. I don't need to kick in the audience. All Mary J. All Mary J. asks of you is that you go and you stand in that aisle and you kick that good right leg once. I was there and she asked that. You you dip down a little bit and then you kick up with your left. That's all she's asking of you. Listen, do better. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) so. (laughs) after the show i'm like okay i don't know if she's coming out or not i want to leave but shout out to george the george was like no she's going to come out trust me so we stand there and we end up meeting a few people who were really cool Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh three of them were her cousins so i was like okay i feel a little bit more comfortable you know standing with y'all so two ladies standing next to us were bloggers and they tapped us and they were like you know that's tc carson right there and I'm like, seriously? <laughs> so she was like, yeah. So she was like, I'm going to say something to him. So she taps him on the shoulder. He turns around and she starts talking to him and asks him if she can take a picture. He takes the picture and I'm standing there like, well, I have a really cool way of being able to introduce myself. So after she takes the picture, I walk up to him and I'm like, well, I can, can I take a picture too? Seeing as though we have the same birthday. And he tilted his head. He was like, November 19th. I was like, yes. He was like, of course you can. And he dapped me up, gave me a hug and we took a picture. And he had me laughing the whole time because we, when people were trying to take pictures with him, they didn't use flash. And he was like, I'm dark. You need to use a flash. So I went to take a picture with him. And I was like, I got it on flash already. He was like, well, you don't need flash, but I do. I was like, sir. <laughs> it's like, okay. But he was like, I'm glad that you were prepared. I was like, thank you. So he took the picture, talked a little bit. And I was like, that was really cool. I really appreciated that. And I appreciated George taking the picture because it just dawned on me as I'm saying this to you. George didn't get a picture with him. So I'm like, that was really sweet of him that he wasn't concerned about getting a picture. He just wanted to make sure I had my moment. So definitely shout out to George. He's a great friend. Um, But afterward, uh, Liz did come out. And I thought it was going to be a situation because the guy was telling all of us to move away from the stage and move up toward the entrance of the place. Um, And this was at the Variety Playhouse, by the way, in Little Five Points uh, for those who are in Atlanta. But we uh, we made our way up toward the door and I'm thinking she was going to like take a seat and greet people from the way he said it. But she didn't. She was on her way out. So I'm like, oh, wait. (laughs) So people are like taking their chances walking up to her because you're feeling a little iffy, like you don't really want to invade her space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm seeing sense. people make their way up to her, I'm like, I got to take my chance. So I walk up to her and this woman points at me and she's like, you know, this is so-and-so and so. And Liz is like, oh, come to find out she wasn't talking about me. There was a woman who was literally, now mind you, you know, I'm a short dude. <laughs> <You are. laughs> There's a woman who was much shorter than me standing behind me. Much it, shorter than you? Don't do too much. Don't do too much oh, though. Don't do too much. <laughs> So anyway, 
So she was pointing at her. So it was awkward for literally all parties involved. But when the woman walks around me, I'm now in a four-person circle with the three of them. So I'm standing there, and Liz and I are facing each other, and the women are on both sides of us, and we're making a circle. So I'm standing there the whole time feeling awkward, smiling and laughing, because I'm like, I don't want to just stand here really stoic, because I'm in your circle. So Liz looks me eye to eye at one point, and I was like, yeah, this is kind of awkward, because I don't know any of these people. (laughs) She starts laughing, and she pulls me in for a hug. And I was like, is it okay if I get a picture with you? And she was like, yeah, it is. So we took three pictures together. And I said, thank you. I said, I've been waiting for, sir, anyway, listen, and like I told her, I have waited a decade to see you. And she was like, why so long? I was like, I guess I had to move to Atlanta because you wasn't coming to Baltimore. She was like, don't say that. And we had a laugh and I was like, thank you for performing old man. It made me cry. And she was like, wow, that's really special. And I was like, yeah, it is. So I said, it was really awesome to meet you. And I definitely can't wait to see you again. And then as I was leaving out, uh, TC was on the phone outside and I was like, take care, Scorpio. And he was like, you too. And then we left. So yeah, I love it. It was really, really awesome. It was really awesome. It was a really great experience. And again, I want people to check out Liz Wright. That's L-I-Z-Z-W-R-I-G-H-T. Pull her up on iTunes Music or Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it is. Look, I don't have Apple Music. Come on, what a commercial. So. I love it. <laughs> you have to promote those people who you really like. You, you do. Know? You do. You definitely have to speak up the people who don't get enough credit in your eyes or whatever. I love it. I'm Especially it. because I'm fairly certain that we have more listeners who know Mary than who know Liz. So <laughs> um, most people know Mary instead of Liz. So I'm sure. Absolutely. So so <laughs> so would you like me to go into who I ended up meeting yesterday? Go ahead. Now, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'm in. Whatever. Calm down. down. So I ended up meeting Lakeith Stanfield. Talk about it. Talk about it. And for those of you who are not familiar with him, for me, I would start with Atlanta. He is. uh, He is Donald. I can't remember his character. And neither can I at the moment, actually. I need to go back and literally watch the entire season over again. But he is Donald Glover's friend, not his cousin, because, you know, it's three of them. So it's Donald Glover, it's his cousin, and then it's their very unique, abstract friend. And that that is who Lakeith is. He also is the guy at the beginning of Get Out who gets kidnapped. Mm -hmm. Um... He's also <clears throat> he's also in Death Note on Netflix, but not sure if anyone knows about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what else? What else can we think of that he's in? He was Snoop Dogg is straight out of Compton. Okay. He was the uh, the ex name. to the girl in the the Adventures of Jessica Jackson or whatever. James. James. Sure, sure. <laughs> Listen, I told Shady. you I I turned that Shady. show off like ten minutes in, so I but can't help you. <laughs> No, I'll I'll be watching because if if I like when she's on the Daily Show, she's hilarious to me. She's absolutely hilarious. Like I love her, but on this show, well, on this movie, I was like, what is happening? Because you know, I'm here for dry humor all day, but she her character annoyed the crap out of me. 
I was like, I can't take this. Like five Listen. No, no, it was impossible. I gave you a smooth 10 to 15. I told you. I gave her some time. And Lakeith can get me to watch anything. And even he couldn't get me to watch that. But anyway, met him in Lenox Mall. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is a situation where I wasn't going to say anything to him. Because I'm one of those people where I'm like, if you're shopping, I just want you to be. But my friend Christopher, shout out to Christopher. He was like, oh, where is he? And I pointed and he was like, "Mm -mm, this is going to happen. So he walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder. was like, can I, listen, Christopher's about it. So he took a picture and then I walked up and I was like, are you cool if I take a picture with you as well? And he was like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, I just want to let you know, I think you're a great actor. And he was like, thank you. I appreciate that. So took the picture. It was only one this time. Calm down. Thank you. Um, so and this was uh, I guess you would say in in Ussie because I took the picture of us and then afterward um, I made sure to say him say his name because I didn't want him to think I was just some random person who was like I know you from television I was like thank you Lakeith I really appreciate that and he was like you're welcome and then we walked away so it wasn't like a whole lot that was really going on it was minor conversation but just the fact that I mean he was so chill it was just him and one of his boys and they just chilling like whatever love it um but yeah, so, but definitely shout out to Christopher because I am absolutely one of those people where it's like, if you're just minding your business and all, I don't want to be up in your face because I've heard too many stories of, you know, celebrities who are like, I just want to live my life <laughs> when that I'm, bu- yeah, you know, so I'm like, when people are like, I'm bombarded. Concert, I get taking a picture like afterwards if they come out, but like, because I, I think for me, I've never, well, I've only been to like two concerts, but. Right. Like, I, I normally, when I would see a celebrity or something, it's like in person, like literally in the mall or something. So you don't want to run over to them like in the dressing room or like you know what i'm saying like at the clearance rack or something like let me be like right let me pay for my stuff and go about my business, and go about my business. right <laughs> i get it <clears throat> so you uh you you wanted to share something with me i did it's actually funny that you uh met lakeith <laughs> um i'm a little jealous but whatever <laughs> so, the other day my best friend was telling me that she I, I misunderstood. I thought she said it was an article, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be a video. But anyways, the video was saying, was asking, is Lakeith Stanfield the next Denzel, or is he the Denzel of this generation? And so, immediately, I was like, absolutely not. And no, nothing against him, but I was like, why Lakeith of all people? Like, really? But okay. And so then I went and I looked and I found the video. It didn't take much. Um, and then I realized it was from BET. And I said, oh, well, there we go. So, basically the video was saying, because he had his big break, you know, on the road in Atlanta. He's been doing a lot of other projects mm-hmm. around this time or whatever. Basically, <clears throat> of the, the roles are ranging. And, and, you know what I'm saying, the roles are diverse and they're doing a bunch of different things. So does that, does he have the chops to be the next Denzel kind of thing? Is that the way his career is going? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I feel like it's very early to say that. But also, too, most, I'm scared to say most people, but I feel like most people probably don't even know who he is still. Like, they've seen him in one, you know what I'm saying, in one thing or two things or whatever, but they probably couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but they probably could not tell you his name. Nothing against his talent, nothing against him. I think he's talented and great. I just don't think he's the next Denzel, and I also think that's a lot to give him at this stage in his career. That's all. Well, what I'm going to say is going to be controversial. And when you and I 
because uh, for for our listeners, we went over our notes before we <clears throat> before we went on. Uh, we were talking about this uh, prior to our recording, and something in my spirit was like, I think that because we laughed about this pretty hard, and I was like, I think Brandon thinks I'm laughing because I'm on his side of the conversation. I'm actually on the complete opposite. I I think he's going to be better than Denzel, personally. Um, well, it's not that I don't like Denzel. I think he's a, I think he's a brilliant actor. I need to make sure that I, and if I haven't made that clear to you before, I apologize because I have come off in a very strong way. I think he's a brilliant actor. I just don't think he has the range that people act like he has. Um, I think he's Denzel and a lot of what he does, it just so happens that he has a lot of power. Denzel is a powerful actor, you know, um, but not big on range. And if people get out of the Denzel effect and allow themselves to watch it with open eyes, they'll see that I'm right. You know, he is a very powerful actor, a great actor, but a very Denzel actor. You know, um, you can watch him and you can watch him in a Shakespearean role and you'll still see Denzel. Where with Lakeith, I feel like already early in his career, you can differentiate the characters that he plays. I mean, even just in Get Out, the guy at the beginning and the guy who is, I guess, you know, would say lobotomized or whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. he is two different people, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like, when you watch Death Note, a very different person from the person who you see when you're watching uh, Atlanta. So that's what I'm saying. My thing is range. I want to be able to see Mm -hmm. range in you when you're acting. And so when you said that to me, I was laughing because in my mind, all I kept thinking is people are going to gag when they hear that I, I actually think if he keeps going, he will be better than Denzel. And a lot of people will disagree probably because Denzel is an, is an institution, you know? So people are looking at him and they're like, how dare you? <laughs> the, the, the greatness that is Denzel. And that's why I'm like, I need to make sure I'm stressing. I do believe he is a brilliant actor. But as an actor, as someone who went to school for it, I am looking for range in people, which is the reason why I love Meryl Streep the way I do. You know, I love actors who can vanish into roles. Those are the people who I believe should be lauded. So it's like when when there are actors who everyone praises because of your your power and what you can bring to a role, I respect it. But I respect it more when I don't see you on screen when you no. vanish into a character, you know? I get that. I mean, because my main thing was just, I felt like it was just early. That's my only thing. It's yeah. just early to compare him to somebody who's, and you know, has been around so long as Denzel. I would say maybe somebody like Michael B. Jordan or something, you know what I'm saying, who's been around a little bit longer, at least for this generation. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's a, a lot to give Lakeith. Nothing against him. I, I do think he's great. So that's, that was my main thing. Well, the, the I, only um, reason why he can't be the next Michael B. Jordan is because they're in the same age group. So, you no, know, no, for, no, I for, was saying I would give that to Michael B. Jordan. Oh, got you. Yeah, got yeah, you. Yeah. Well, the, the reason why they didn't do that, and this is with, because you know how I feel about Michael B. I'm here for him all day. Um, <laughs> the reason why they didn't do that is because he, and it's so interesting because I was just saying, I don't feel like Denzel has had enough range, but Lakeith has more range, you know? So it's like they're comparing him to Denzel because again, like I said, Denzel is an institution Michael B has done some good work, definitely, but Lakeith has already come out the gate and the stuff that he's doing is all over the place. You feel me? Like, I don't know. Lakeith is one of those actors where I feel like almost anything you can ask him to do, he'll do. 
And I think that's the reason why I love him as an actor so much, you know, because in 2017, we still have some black actors who, if you ask them to play the role of a same gender loving man, they'll say no. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it isn't about you and your personal life. You're vanishing into a character. And I feel like Lakeith wouldn't even give it a second thought because for him, it's about the craft, you know? You're making me want to interview him for the podcast, but, <laughs> but, well, go ahead. I'm here for it. but no, I, I definitely, I, I, one, I appreciate you sharing it. And two, I appreciate that hopefully people can have disagreements either with me or you and have a respectful dialogue about it as we're doing. You feel me? I'm all for respectful. Yes. Let's focus on the issue at hand. Listen, get personal and then I got to come out of pocket. <laughs> You you, you 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 come beyond out of pocket, but yeah. <laughs> I, exactly, because I'm cutting you off at the knees, because we was talking about this issue. We were talking about me and you. You know, just <laughs> cross the line, I'm across every line. So, you know. <laughs> well, with that being said, we have come to the end <laughs> of healing, healing through pop culture. <laughs> And uh, let everyone know if they want to make sure where, where they can uh, walk with you on social media. Where can they do that? Uh, my Twitter is just call me Otis, and that's it. And he tweets his butt off, so you can't miss him. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't do that that often. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we we we, we, we don't take much to be on Twitter more than you. <laughs> I was about to say, we've already had a conversation about what you consider to be a lot of tweeting, so. Exactly. If your Twitter was not linked to your Instagram, you would never be on there. Wouldn't. Would not. Okay. So as long as we're clear on that. (laughs) We're going to let Brandon go, and we're going to highlight him next week for all things pop culture. (laughs) See you, B. Today, we're focusing on healing through activism. So this is going to be pretty exciting. The uh, amazing guest that I have today (laughs) is somebody who I admire greatly because of his boldness, because of his honesty. Our guest today is an LGBTQ commentator and YouTuber who hosts a live feed on Facebook every Thursday at 3 p.m. Please welcome the outspoken, thought-provoking, and always entertaining Mr. Rod Clever. Welcome to the, the show today, Rod. Thank you, Raven. How are you? I am awesome-tastic. How are you? I am doing awesome. I am great this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, uh, t- today has been has been quite a day. So <laughs> I definitely yes, definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, thank you so much for being my guest on episode two of the show. Thank you. No, thank you for inviting me. Like when you when you asked me to come on, I was just like, wait, absolutely. I'm not going to ever say no to you ever or something <laughs> like that. And that, that means a whole lot to me. Um, I was talking to uh, Brandon, who is my friend, who of course does the pop culture with me every episode. And I was telling him, I'm like, sometimes people are surprised to find out that you and I are so cool with each other. And whenever people say that, I always think to myself, I'm like, I find it so funny that because our personalities appear to be so different, that that would make you think that we're not cool, you know? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where spirits recognize other spirits. Exactly. Exactly. Regardless of where we are and our walk, we recognize that our energies operate in the same wavelength. Speak. Come on now. Regardless of our motivation. Everybody's motivations are different. 
Every right. listen, listen. <laughs> you starting off already? Okay. <laughs> so. I wanted to bring you on today, of course, because this is Healing Through Activism, and you do a great deal of speaking out on behalf of the LGBTQ community. So um, I have some questions, you know, that I want to ask you just to give our listeners who may not be as familiar with who Rod Clever is a better understanding of you and your purpose. Is that cool? Okay, absolutely. Please ask away. (laughs) Okay, so let's start off with talking about healing. When it comes to Rod and your need for healing, what do you do? Um, oh, God, for healing, um, there's several things that have to go on. Um, I have to, like, I believe your home is, like, my mother said this to me all the time. You get peace in two places, in the grave and in your own house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm a firm believer of having peace at home. So, my bedroom has to be very, very comfortable. Like, the thing is, when I, um, I'm at home, I, I, can be, I have to be able to sit comfortably in silence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Silence is very important to me sometimes. Yeah. Because there's so much noise all the time. And the minute you pick up your phone, the minute you step outside your door, you know, you have to find some refuge or peace. So for me, usually, sitting in silence, um, my cat... When I am with my cat, because my cat lives in my apartment currently. Right. Um, well, our cat, let me not be a parent like that. <laughs> um, my cat is a great form of therapy for me as well, because my cat is very um, cuddly and likes to lay on me and has to have physical contact. Right. And if, you, if I let my cat lay on me long enough, we both will fall asleep. So, but okay. that even my cat, my cat having quiet. I would say marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's honest. <laughs> but, you know, the, marijuana is a very social drug. And that right. depends on where I'm at in that moment. So, like, that can turn to a lot of things. Sexually, quietly, it could be a lot of things. But I think quiet is the most important thing. I think just turning the noise off is what buys me peace. Okay. Awesomeness, awesomeness. Okay, so this question is kind of similar, but is kind of okay. different. Uh, how do you show up for yourself? You know, like in, in the world we live in today, there are a lot of people, especially with us having the kind of personalities we have, you know, we're very uh, strong in our convictions. Um, so in situations where you may feel attacked or you may feel judged, you know, when you have to step back and just be with Rod, how do you show up for yourself? I think a relationship with myself is much more important than anything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of sliding into this new space of just just being one with myself and, and really just having that unconditional love and that praise with myself all the time. Because it's so funny. It's, this is going to become a story. So forgive me. Ride with me on this. Okay. So last week, I was at my bar, I bartend, and two of my good, two of my good friends were at my bar, and it came for drinks, whatever, and um, I'm always giving out advice, or I'm just always that person that people are like, what do I do? What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Like, my energy can manage that. Some people can't manage that. Absolutely. But I can manage that as a part of my energy. Um, but the thing was, I wrote a post on Facebook about the 10 reasons why gay men are single. And 
my two friends that came to the bar are friends as well. They're close. They're very close friends. And um, one of them was like, well, clearly you mark off some of these things to our other friend. And it was like, you know, how do we resolve that? Mm-hmm. He's like, and that's what he came to the bar and talked to me about was like, I know I'm on this list and I don't know how to reconcile some of these things. So we started talking about it and blah, blah, blah. So while that is all going on, there is an Indian man. I want to say he's Indian American, not an American Indian, Indian American, mm-hmm. if you follow. Okay. So he's sitting next to them and they're talking blah, blah, blah. And then something happened. Well, something behind us is happening. And I say something really um, inappropriate. And the guy starts, to, the Indian American guy starts laughing. So he like interjects. He's like, "Let me ask you a question." Asking me a question. Where are you from? I'm like, from Washington D.C. originally. No, 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 no. Where are your parents from? And hmm. I'm just like, okay, mentally, here we go. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me put, let me put let me put my mental dukes up. I'm at work, so I can act a fool. So let me just, let me just ride the wave on this one. And right. I was like, my parents are from Washington D.C. And here he go. Where are your grandparents from? Oh, dude, really? And I'm just like, uh, please someone shoot me in the forehead. <laughs> so I was like, um, I was like, well, my grandfather is originally from South Carolina, but he grew up in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes me like a, almost like a two and a half, third generation Washington. My grandmother's from Washington, D.C. as well. Um, but generally, that's like, I'm a Washington, like a regular oh, African-American. He was like, so what are your spiritual beliefs? And I'm just like, okay, that's a really interesting question, but I robbed the wave. So I was like, well, I was raised Catholic, but I'm pretty much agnostic now. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so he's like, well, I was listening to your conversation and the way you express self-love and all these things and the conversation we had. He was like, you don't sound Christian. You sound Buddhist or Sufi. Mm. And like, I asked you where your parents were from to see that you had any Eastern, East, um, Eastern influences in your family right. because you don't talk like someone who's been in the throes of white colonialism. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. Right. So we were, we're talking back and forth and we, were, and we were changing information. He was like, well, he was like, I really think that you should really look into it. I was like, well, I said, well, I, I said, I'm the kind of person where I don't really have a strong belief in Christianity. I have a strong belief in laws of reciprocity because every religion has some aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So what what I believe in is just reaping what you sow, you know, three times three, you know, karma. I believe in all those things. Right. So um, when he was like, well, I need you, uh, maybe you should look at some information about Buddhism and Sufi and, and Sufism and see what you find out. And I was like, okay, well, I'll look into it. And I was like, okay, so my friends were like, well, he's right, because he was like, because this is the thing he said, he was like, he said, he also said that he he also feels that I have prophetic abilities, and I don't really know that I have them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because the information you told your, because like the information you told your friend, most people don't have that much clar- clarity on what's going on in the world or in real life. And he was like, it really was... And, and it was really interesting to him to listen to me speak because he's like most people of color who are Christian don't think that dynamically. Right. So, so we had a conversation. It was great, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and my friends are like, well, he is the one we all go to because he has the most perspective on everything, but we don't know why, but it's always been him. 
like one of her like say you've been pulled together since I met you and I was like I was like well you met me three four years ago and I would not call that pulled together right he was like you were but you just didn't know it and I was like okay well that's there well so women one short, women one second let me ask you this so when they say pulled together give me a little bit more on that as far as what they mean when they say that um well compared to the person I was four years ago I don't know how to explain that to you. I don't know how to explain it at, at that version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can see why they say I'm pulled together, but I think I'm very centered and I'm very transparent. I'm able to answer questions directly without um, being offensive or being harmful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and the thing that I think the pull together thing, because like you know, I've always I like I, I generally always have an answer in most circumstances, most oh. circumstances. Okay. But I have lived so many lives, so especially at this point. Yeah. So I know that my friends feel like I'm pulled together, and I think also too, like I, they never see me sweat or buckle under the pressure. Right. I do sweat. Yes. But I don't believe <laughs> sweating in public. You keep your uh. Your your car is close to the chest. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Like now, like like what I'm saying was in that conversation with the guy. I so the next morning I wake up. This is really funny. I wake up the next morning and I get on Facebook, and the first thing I see is my Facebook memories. You know, they come up every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something you know, substantial. And the face the Facebook memory from a year ago was me sharing a quote about Kim Fields in regards to instigation and information, but it was a Buddhism Sufi quote. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, huh? Right. So what do I do? I go immediately to Amazon and buy Buddhism for dummies. <laughs> it comes tomorrow. <laughs> because like now I'm like really curious now. Because like I, I really I'm someone who um when it comes to showing up for myself and what I do now is I definitely try to avoid stressful situations. Absolutely. I definitely do the work to make sure that I don't go off. Because the thing that I'm kind of managing through right now is trying to maintain um, my levels of rage. Mm-hmm. And, and I know my triggers now. Mm-hmm. And I've been really, like, there's been a few things within my own interpersonal relationships that have been going on this week. And a friend of mine triggered them. And I had to literally remove myself because I know how <laughs> quickly that was going to go down because like my thing is like everybody knows like everybody i think that that follows my content knows my mouth yeah and that's and that's good bad or indifferent how you feel about it mm-hmm. but i know my mouth and what i've been practicing over the last it, and literally this literally happened over the last week is to just literally just like just say no to things that are going to upset me right like, literally just don't like there like facebook is Facebook all be called the gaslight. They all call it gaslight.com. That's all you see on Facebook all day. People gaslighting you. That's all you see all day. Right. So I have to, what I've been doing primarily is just only like sharing my thoughts and my content mm-hmm. and not looking at anything else and putting the phone down. That's it. Okay. I, I think this is a good place to go into the next question, which is you've stated that you feel people without compassion or perspective are dangerous. So can you go into a little more of detail when it, when it comes to that? Absolutely. Um, that is a quote that manifested for myself on my own. Mm-hmm. It was like when I heard somewhere something that that um, my parents, my mom, or my sisters, and someone told me 
it literally manifested from doing what I've been doing over the last several years. Right. And I found that with a lot of the world problems and being a journalism major and reading all those things is that you realize that a lot of problems that we reside in culturally, socially, you know, sexually, you know, through religion, you know, everything, racially, everything that we, we experience right now, that if people had enough perspective to understand both sides of a situation, understand someone's feelings, and had compassion enough to respect their feelings, mm-hmm. we'd be in a much better world. And yeah. I always find that people who lack both both of those are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't be friends and operate space with someone expect to have a healthy resolve if the person does not have enough perspective to understand your situation and enough compassion to get you through your situation or to respect you going through your process. It's like dealing with someone who's like, it's like, like a gay prime example, like, like, um, with brown and brown and black people with mental health. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have this, this ideology of if I'm seeing a shrink, I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't need to see a shrink cause I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't sit and create a culture where it's like, you know, you, you see a friend that's clearly having some mental issues of mental concerns that may be disability, something that they may not recognize, but you see their behavior, you may not be able to diagnose it, but you see that there's something clearly wrong with this friend. Right. And we like, and you know, it could be depression to come talk about, like, oh, girl, just get over it, smoke a cigarette, go out and fuck, go hang out with your friends, go turn up. <laughs> it doesn't medicate the problem. And my thing is that you know, as a friend, you have enough perspective. Absolutely. To, to acknowledge that something might be really wrong with me that I'm not seeing, and you're not telling me, I think that's dangerous. I think even for furthermore, for that, like let's say that I do recognize that there's something. Let's say on the other side, I do recognize there's something wrong with me, and I decide to go to a, a counselor or a therapist or a shrink or whatever. And you know, a friend wouldn't say to you, "Oh my God, like what are you crazy, like, girl? If you got if you bipolar." You know, you might want to fix that, you know, or like, you know, or make jokes of it because I'm inside of McDonald's and I can't choose what I want. Oh, you know, you have that moment of personality and your mind don't know which one it wants. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not having compassion. Yeah. And my thing is like, you know, I'm clearly having something going on. I need you not to make light of it. Like, especially with me and my rage, I wouldn't want a friend who puts me in situations that would make me go off. Right. That's not having compassion. So I feel like people without either one are very well. Not well, actually, without both, I feel like are dangerous. They both are interconnected to some extent. Oftentimes, and, people who can't see themselves can't see you. You feel me? Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. So they're they're but usually coming at you on that because they're not doing the work. You know, you're attempting to put the work in on yourself, and they can't they can't comprehend. You know, they may have even had opportunities to be able to do do that, to show up for themselves and they choose not to. So they look at you and see what it is you're doing. And it's kind of a foreign concept to them. You know, it's like you're going out and you're attempting to get help from something that's from something that's corporeal, you know, like an yeah. in, in, in yeah. actual physical human being can help you. Like, And even though, and, and even in those situations, which is always so, um, sad is that when you are in that space of trying to heal your friends who don't value themselves self-sabotage your healing process. absolutely absolutely and they, and they don't realize that they're sabotaging with your work because you know they don't know where they fall on the mental spectrum of problems that they may have exactly exactly so they, they passively lash out at you yeah or set you up in the situations that you know aren't healthy for you 
Yeah. I think I, I find that people who don't have great relationships with themselves don't have great relationships with others ultimately. Or they're in very toxic relationships and don't know that they are. There you go. There you go. You have to be, you have to be very aware of your relationship with yourself first mm-hmm. and then how you empower yourself and how you take care of yourself and and choosing the people who compliment the person that you are listen um, you're speaking a word right now <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying i think people we, we live in a culture where people are perpetually told that they're incomplete or they're not enough or yeah they're missing something, or they're not an, or, or they need to add this on or they, or, or they, or they, or they got too much of this you know you know, human beings always have this desire to find scales of measure. Yeah. And um and it's and it's and it's, and it's helpful when you are mathematically trying to figure out how big your bedroom is so you don't put a put the wrong size bed inside your room. Mm-hmm. Versus you trying to tell me how I'm supposed to be how I am beautiful or how yeah. I am beautiful to you. And it's always a form of measure. And people are perpetually told that they don't exist in, in and completeness and it never will exist complete i was just about to say empty people are always trying to explain to others how to be full exactly yeah exactly and um it's so much to the point where now i acknowledge that that, that i'm a human being i'm not a, not an amoeba i'm not an animal I'm not a plant i am the highest form of god's creation on earth right now mm-hmm. how am i not complete yeah like I'm the most amazing thing on this planet. How am I not complete? Mm-hmm. I am the only one of myself. I, I am. I am a. I am a unique individual. There is no. There is nothing out here that's like me. How I'm not complete? Mm-hmm. If I was incomplete, God would have made more than me. Mm. I've been, been more of me out there. If I was incom- If I was incomplete, I don't feel like I'm incomplete, and I feel that we always perpetuate this this conversation of. You need somebody to complete you. You need a man. You need, Ooh, you need a home. Listen, you need, you listen. Need to buy this car. Those things that make you. Those things don't make you complete. First yeah. Of all, those you, some of those things put you in debt or make you codependent, and that's two things you definitely don't want to be. Um, while you live in this human plane of existence, is it's worth about money mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 having to have another human being to exist to 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 believe, to breathe. You don't want to live like that. So, you know, anybody that I invite into my space has to compliment my space. Has yeah. to compliment my greatness that I am. Yeah. And I don't really negotiate on that anymore. Before, um I would let I, I would put up with some friends who I knew kinda weren't good for me. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm older, I've gotten more dis- I've gotten more discernment in how I choose my friendships. And I will say there is a backside to where it does hurt sometimes that I've I've really I've given up a lot of friends in the last year mm-hmm. um, because of that our lives are not running parallel and and trying to stay in parallel with you is harming me so I can't be your friend anymore now but, it's and I've had black people go and I feel very remorseful about it, like very remorseful about it but with relation with myself it comes back to my importance of the relationship I have with myself so being with with myself is much more important than being with people who aren't good for me. Like even with my relationship and being in love and having a long term relationship and being with my partner, we both mutually agree that we will not operate in a space that is harmful. And if it becomes to the point that the space cannot be remedied or reconciled, we'll separate. Right. We already, we already me and my partner have already agreed to our breakup. Okay. 
that's how much we are into protecting each other's mental space. But that's why I'm with him because we protect each other's mental space. Now, before we get too far off of where you just were, I wanted to be able to touch on that because you were talking about friends and having to let people go. So understanding the spaces that you should be in, you led me perfectly into this next question when it comes to you. So, you know, in the past, I've said that you are a very polarizing figure and the same could be said about me, honestly, you know, Uh, because of what we stand for and what we stand in. We're often loved or despised by people. Why do you think why do you think people have such a strong opinion when it comes to Rod Clever? Um, (laughs) RuPaul laughs. Um, <laughs> um, I think people have a strong opinion of me because I have a strong opinion, but I think people don't realize that my opinions are not strong. You're just weak. Ah, it's a personal problem, not not my problem. So I'm polarizing because I my words aren't. How can I how can I explain this? My words aren't a punch, they are a scalpel. And they cut mm-hmm. very quickly, very deeply, and very precisely. And usually, I find that the thing I write causes a lot of hit dogs to holler. Mm-hmm. And it's not intentional, because these things that I'm sharing are from my own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I sit on social media waiting for somebody to say something so I can piss everybody off. And a lot of times when I, when I do my most polarizing posts mm-hmm. are the ones I didn't plan on being polarizing. Right. I think people, like, people either love or they hate me. There's, mm. there's never in between a tolerance with me. Never in between. People either have their preconceived notions about me and they hate me and blah, 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 and I'm okay with that. Either people love me and they're in love and they support me and they stand behind, they stand with me and they, you know, they're just supportive. But I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to necessarily control that, but I do know it comes from a lack of, you know, self-love and, and the relationship they have with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you sit on social media and you take things personally that are I statements from other people, I'm going to be like, this is what I feel, this is what I believe in, right. this is what I am expressing. That has really nothing to do with you. Um, unless it's like, you know, unless it's a statement that's made about a general population of Right. Um, but generally, when I make my statements um, about LGBT issues and concerns, it's because I'm a part of that community, a part of intersectionality. I don't. I don't. I always speak on things that I've experienced. So I never talk about like Latinos negative. But listen, the things that I don't know about, I don't speak about them negatively. Right. So my thing is, I would never say anything negative about women or about. Like about Latin people because I don't Latino people because I don't I don't live in a culture. It's not it's not my it's not fair for me to have a negative assessment about a group of people who I've never lived in their community. Mm-hmm. But I live in the gay community and I live in um, the black community, so I have every right to to critique because I have to exist in the space. Mm-hmm. And I, I specifically why people don't like me sometimes is that they hate the fact that I hold their hands to the fire on the bullshit that they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I strike up accountability at all times. And people don't want to be accountable for their behavior. People want to exist without any without any repercussions of their actions. And because I always always try to reinforce accountability, people don't like that. Right. People want to do the hell they want, and they, and they hate you for it. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't at any point 
get around that. And I think also something that my um, partner and I discuss is that people, when especially you find in love, people really want you, people are like, oh, I want an honest man. I want a man to tell me the truth. No, people don't really want to hear the truth in their love. Like you say that, you say that when you are looking for someone that you, they feel like it's, it is a hot button, you know, word to say, I'm looking for honesty. Mm-hmm. People want to be lied to. People, people thoroughly love being lied to. People thoroughly love living the fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, I think people hate me because I basically removed their rose tinted glasses and step on them. Right. But it's not intentional, and I think people need to understand that what I do is that I'm not in the business of changing hearts or changing minds. I'm just here to plant seeds, and what I plant inside of you grows, and you harvest it, and you and you and you feed it, and and you take care of it. That's great. If you there's no life that comes from what seed that planted in you, that's great as well. Right. Um, people have to make the choice and information they receive, and if you're not making that choice, you're just automatically accepting what I'm saying. That means I'm not doing my job properly because I don't want people to just follow me on the, on the strength of who I am. Right. I love when my, when my thoughts are being challenged. If I find the people that, that hate me, um, they don't challenge me. They um, they try to assassinate my character. Mm-hmm. Why, but mm-hmm. You know, I know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'm just sitting here nodding my head like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, when you're polarizing, <laughs> Listen, uh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> like being mad and angry is, is like, it's almost like cliche and, and like it's a trend. Like, I'm going to be outraged today. Like, outraged about what? You about to make me like, throw this phone. You really, really <laughs> should be outraged about. <laughs> so I'm just like, every time I think when someone like, like last week someone went at me in my comments. And I'm just like, you know, like, you're sitting here literally attacking my character you attack my, my relationship you're attacking the way i love and i have not in this moment at all said anything negative about who you were as an individual especially when i know stuff about you. yeah 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 talk talk about that about the person that you really are outside of it because talk. what you do is not the problem who you are is the problem so i'm attacking you is the problem see and that's that's a whole conversation right there. It's a whole conversation of you you think that I'm this person, you know, but you you really don't understand how much I hold back because you say a whole lot of things out of your mouth, but I could dead this real quick, real quick, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> Just remember that this could have been over a long time ago. I didn't let you say a whole lot. <laughs> This could have been over, but I'm having mercy, you know? Right. That's real talk. But okay, so Yeah, and and, and I and, and people don't realize how merciful I really am. And people think I'm really like really bad. Yeah. No. no, no. Yeah. They, like I think I think people the most anger they get out of me, like in on Facebook, you probably get from like a three or four, or level three or level four out of me. Yeah. Level <laughs> happens in real life you won't get me more than a four on social media yes and i don't realize 
that I'm really like I'm dialing it all the way the fuck back <laughs> because because when there's no loyalty to people, this it, just about anything will come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And and you but know I, I've talked to you about that. I was like, that's how Pisces operate. Yeah. Yeah, because like, but, but things I know because I'm on social media and I have a brand to protect. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to put on there that that's going to be recorded and held against. I'm not leaving an electronic trail of bullshit. Right. So I want it was, but like, let it be out. We out somewhere. You at no <laughs> You were. I'm like, all the time. I'm like, I don't. I said, baby, I don't. I don't do Facebook beef. I eat steak in real life. You don't mm. want this. Money. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's transition. Let's okay. get into uh, sex and romance. So <laughs> now you <laughs> now you're someone who's very open and honest about the topic of sex. However, we both know that even in 2017, people still like to shame sex and sexual freedom. Why do you think that is? white colonialism mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things that I talked to one of my friends about recently it, well not well, well, I'm never going to say friend. I met I met a famous person over the weekend okay um, and um, he is a NBC, MSNBC CNN contributor okay amazing person amazing spirit um, but we were talking about relationships at this bar in, in, um, in Chelsea in mm-hmm. and I said to him, I was like, you know, I think there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame around sex. A lot of it comes from white colonialism. Mm-hmm. If we, as particularly as brown and black people in the United States, the Caribbean, South America, Central America, we really look at our ancestors. A lot of us came. A lot of us came from polytheistic religions. Um, one that believed in monogamy, more sexual freedom, was more sexual egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of who we are now has been. Um, unjustly placed on us mm-hmm. i think people choose to be restricted to something and not challenge their ideas on sex and what i think i think the thing about sex is that one it should feel um two it shouldn't hurt anyone mm-hmm. and three it's your business yeah and you feel ashamed about it um, yeah. i feel like i also feel like too that any moments you share with someone you no longer own those moments right and that you should you should access the fact that it could be shared with other people. Right. And you need to be okay with that. And that's where I think a lot of problems reside sometimes for people. Um, people aren't taught to love themselves sexual beings, especially not black men. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're only, we're only limited to, there is a level of freedom that black women have over us, even compared to their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. They have some limitations as well. And for brown and black people, I think it is important that they love who they are as sexual beings and own who they are as sexual beings because they cause this is the thing I always always ask them all the time. So you see a post on Facebook, whatever, social media, whatever, you have a conversation, friends, anywhere, just be anywhere you are. Someone's like, oh well you know they're very promiscuous. And you're like, okay, what do you mean by promiscuous? Right. How do we measure that? Mm-hmm. Is it like you slept with more than ten people in a lifetime? But more than ten people this year. He's up more than 10 people this month. Right. I'm measuring promiscuity. Right. And what, it goes back to those problems of human beings desiring always to find a form of measure mm-hmm. or words of measure. And, you know, it, it creates stifling conversations of, of um, 
limitations and people don't want to be themselves. Right. And so if you are sleeping around with a lot of people, you know, you're higher level thinking being, you should be enjoying yourself as a human being. I think it should be some some bit of indulgement as a human being that you should enjoy what you are doing. But it should be respectful. Like for me, for instance, I'll, I'll be very candid. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely um, have a lot of sex. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the fact that I have a lot of sex. I don't, I, I had sex this morning. Right. At, at 4 a.m., like, you know, and it was amazing. One of my regulars. Mm-hmm. I'm also in a, in a, in a relationship. Right. And um, my relationship is sex, my relationship is sexually um, non-monogamous, mm-hmm. which means that we are allowed to sleep with other people, sleep together with other people, threesome group, whatever. We just do it. Right. We're very heated in that regard. Um, but when I sleep with other guys, they all know that I am in a relationship. I don't mislead them into thinking that, hey, we want to sleep sleep together, have some good sex, and, you know, we might go on a... No, I don't leave... The boundaries align are very clear. And I think that when you are misleading in sex with people or you mislead them to think something more than what it is, that's a problem. And But that also goes into some of the culture why people don't be themselves sexually. Like, you people don't even, like, admit that they... They can't even admit sometimes where they are spiritually um, or romantically. Right. I mean, like I was like, you know, it's okay to have sex with someone to say to you that I don't want to, I don't want anything more than you just said. You, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I, and it also perpetuates the problem of people not knowing their sexual type versus their romantic type. Right. So you know, the 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 journey of self love and self appreciation requires you to ask some of these hard pressing questions that are within you, and. Those are one of those questions, and I think that the, the closer that we get to our own sexual freedom, we allow other people to be free around us as well. And not to, not saying I have issue with people who approve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Um, your sexual limitations, your sexual limitations. As long as you being approved, you don't strike judgment against me for being highly sexual. Mm-hmm. So I just find that people need to let people exist and and understand that this is where they are, this is where they where the person that their peers are, and we all are allowed to exist the way we want to exist as long as we're not harming each other. Right. Well, you just, uh, you opened up space for me to be able to ask two of my other questions uh, because you spoke of them both uh, in a way, but I feel like I'll go with this one. So you and your partner in a non-monogamous relationship known to others as open. Uh, recently on Insecure, they somewhat tackled that topic, mostly from the character of Molly's point of view. What myths or misconceptions of non-monogamous relationships would you like to to debunk, or even if you'd care to do so? Um, oh yeah. Um, one day I want to write about this. <laughs> this is this is a great moment to talk about this and organize my thoughts. So when I do decide to talk about this, uh, I'll be ready with some answers. Um, <laughs> well, number one, that it's not a free for all. Um, in in the essence of we just do what we want without any rules or boundaries. Right. Um, there are plenty of rules and boundaries, and we and we both definitely have our rules and boundaries. Um, and a lot of them, I, I won't share them all because those are those are an agreement between my partner and I. I don't feel like it's everybody's business, but, but like for instance, we have an agreement that we don't emotionally get involved with people that we sleep with. Right. Um, and that's 
one of our one of our main rules. Oh, it's like that's like rule. That's like the first commandment of our rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want people. I think people need to realize that that being a non-monogamous couple requires just as much, if not more, communication as monogamous couples. Right. We have to be very. We have to be very honest. And the thing about like you have to be very honest, very quickly, very early in your relationship. Um, you kind of have to give a little bit of blind trust in the beginning too. Like I have to expect this person to do the right thing. Um, also, in non-monogamous couples, I think there's a misconception that we are sexually um, insatiable, and that the only reason why we're doing it is because we can't reconcile being a whore and being committed. Right. It's not. It's not that at all. Like I've been monogamous. i This is my first non-monogamous relationship. Oh, okay. So. I didn't walk into like I, like like this is still all like we we might be together it'd be four years October third mm-hmm. and I'm still in a process of learning how to manage this sometimes so this is not like something I've done before right um my when my partner suggested it when we first started dating I was like eh, I, said, I don't know <laughs> I mean, but you know I'm willing to try anything my mind is always open and it has been the best decision of my life yeah yeah yeah. I would never, ever do monogamy ever again. Yeah. I, I don't like the ownership that monogamy creates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I own who I am. The only person that, 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 can, that can question me about how I exist is God. I don't even feel like my mother has ownership of who I am as an individual anymore. Yeah. 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 That's, um... They're no longer sustaining me. Like, the only reason why I'm here is because the creator is allowed to still stay. So... I don't really believe that I'm, oh, I'm indebted to anyone but myself. Yeah. Um, so, my friend, uh, my friend Kevin and I have conversations about that often because he and I are both of the same mind when it comes to open relationships. And I mean, I, I can't necessarily say, especially the society that we live in, I can't say that I'm surprised that there are so many people that are so anti without even attempting to understand, you know? Um, right. But being someone who has been in enough relationships to understand the way that people can operate from that controlling space you were talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I exist in a very different space now in my life at 37 years old. I am completely open to an open relationship. And my way of looking at it is very much in the way that you just said. You know, it's like people have these misconceptions of it's a free-for-all and that there are no rules. But with each relationship are different rules. You feel me? Um, the, the The truth is, is that when it comes to same gender loving relationships with men, I'm not as familiar when it comes to women. But same gender loving relationships with men, the relationships that I know that have lasted the longest, with the exception of probably one, have all been open. And this isn't me saying that I believe everyone should do it. Not at all. I'm just saying that this judgment that comes, you know, and this this way of looking at people who are in them, making them seem like, you know, they're freaks or they don't have morals or things of that nature. It's just like these two people love each other and they made an adult decision of how to operate and navigate their relationship. That's their business. You feel me? Exactly. And going think, and taking your your rules and ignorance and insecurities and putting it on them isn't fair. Exactly. And a lot of these rules are based in heteronormativity and misogyny. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, it doesn't compute 
for me to have some of these rules. I just feel like you need to build your own kingdom the way you want to build There it. you go. Say it. That sometimes you, have, you might have to take down a spire or add a spire. Yeah. And those things happen. Yeah. And I necessarily don't think, what well, I'm going to say necessarily don't think. I do think that people don't realize that when you spend time and space with someone for so long, you want something else. And, 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 and that's just not on a romantic level. Like, even our friendships, like, I think people people are foolish to think that, that you, you, you're not, let, let me tell you how foolish you think. Let me tell you how foolish you think. You literally are giving, are given two parents. It takes two human, two human beings to make you. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that one person can sustain you emotionally? If, mm-hmm. you, if you've got two parents, and God knew that one person making you was not enough. What makes you think that one person can love you and that could be enough? Or one person can satiate you and that would be enough? Mm. We don't we don't even have like single friends, like we sit in the community, it's okay to have multiple friends, multiple uncles, multiple parents. You can have all the mom and dads you want. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So I am a firm believer that it, it like it necessarily it takes a village sometimes. And and I don't think that it's realistic to think that somebody is going to be the everything for you. It's not possible. We're not like even to our friends. You, as as a friend to me, you are not everything to me. Right. There, you 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 fill up a part of me who I am as a as a person. But kids can fill me up on a lot of multitude of levels. Absolutely. It's just not. It's just not physically. It's not just sexually. It's just not emotionally. It's not spiritually. It's just not socially. Absolutely. Some of my friends, up on every level, especially as like like prime example, you live you live in the same city as me. Yes, you feed my spirit, but you don't feed, feed me socially either. Yeah. So there's no way that one person can be everything for us. It's just not. And, it's just not. Yeah. And it's really unfair to put that burden on one person. Hmm. Hmm. Like it, it requires that you are infallible, and that's not possible. Human beings are the most imperfect creatures on this planet. Are you expected to be perfect? Mm-hmm. That's you're just a fool on your own for even thinking that. Right. Too much responsibility. So and I have. It's um, not um, polyamorous where we date other people. Right. It's just essentially not monogamous where we just are allowed to other people. Like, right. I don't feel like even as an individual that my, that I can fully sexually satiate my partner and vice versa. Right. And but why would I want to? It's just sex. There are other levels of infidelity that I feel like are. are uncomfortably more dangerous sometimes like financial cheating um you're like you're basically taking your money from your home that you were building with someone and giving it to someone else and without this person knowing and and again i feel like you've created an entirely different episode we can go into (laughs) so clearly i'm gonna need to have you on here more than once (laughs) you know and i'm always down (laughs) so I have uh, two more questions for you. Sure. So the first one is, some feel that there isn't a need for labels, while there are others who absolutely feel as though there are a need. These two labels I'm speaking of would be tops and bottoms. Where do you, well, now you already, you already know I know where you stand, but for those who are listening, where do you stand on this topic? Uh, because I wrote up something, I wrote up about that. Um, I definitely, it, okay, I definitely think labels are essential because they create se- sexual boundaries, but mm-hmm. they are not like 
themselves and they're not a measure of our humanity. Um, I think the problem that people are, well, I think the cognitive dissonance that people are having is the fact that when they adopt these labels, mm-hmm. they, they, think, they think that their peers are expecting them to perform and act a certain way. Right. The thing that people don't realize that um, regardless of your top, bottom, or versatile, it does not mean that because you're masculine or femme or dominant or have dominant or submissive energy that those things are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. You can be a masculine, submissive top. You can be a feminine, dominant bottom. All those things are very possible. Yeah. And um, people avoid the labels because they don't want to be accountable for what they entail. But I just find it to be ridiculous because how do you explain? Like, you know, you all, I'm kind of you also mean say, oh, I'm fluid. I'm going to be automated, automatically turned on. Right. I'm just like, because I, that, means, that means I have to discern what your, what your boundaries are. And I don't want that, and I don't want that, and I want that responsibility. I'd rather you tell me what your boundaries are. Right. I'm versatile. So that means that you like both of everything. That I can go here and go there and try these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're a bottom. That means that you are not at any moment ever going to put your penis inside. <laughs> you want to be penetrated. Or you tell me that at this moment you want to be only penetrated. Right. You're going to be only penetrated. But that's not, that does not say that you don't like oral sex or other things like that or like even like to eat like because I'm, I'm a bottom where i'm open to everything right like, I, 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 I have had some versatile experiences lately and um popular rolodex is changing <laughs> but um i don't take ownership of the versatile label because i'm not a practicing versatile person and like every versatile incident i've had have always been on accident like, right been totally it's like you know they just you know <laughs> I'm blushing right now. Uh huh. Oh, well, you have a nice sized penis. You should put it inside me. And if 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 I'm really into a guy, I'm gonna put it inside them Mm -hmm. and get my little five seven life. And you're welcome. (laughs) I just am. Like before, because the things that my little little story, um. I'm, I'm a bottom because of socialization. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a bottom because of my own choosing. And um, situations as I, as I was growing up put me in a position of me being a bottom, mm-hmm. not me being a top, or me wanting to ever be a top. Right. But as I have freed myself from the shackles of white colonial sexual sexuality, mm-hmm. um, that I'm more open to being versatile now. I feel like I, feel like I just want to, like, like, Edge of my role is actually just it's just it's information. So it's like for me right now I'm crazy. So I'm like I'm really curious what I can learn from being versatile. But as soon as I allow that into my universe, the attention I've been getting has been really insane. Like I was at the club this weekend with some friends and guys were like really grabbing my dick when I was walking through the crowd. <laughs> and, and mind you, I have on a full man bag while I'm while this is going on. <laughs> you know I'm like I literally, I literally got my purse with me. While this is going on, I said, like, I said, like, well, look at, well, look at the universe. <laughs> the universe. I've manifested being the top like three times in the last, like since I moved to New York in the last six months, and this is what's happening. 
I want you to get into it, though, because you said, look at the universe. And as soon as you said that, I said, that's funny. Universe. Look at that. Verse. Right. <laughs> exactly. Universe knows me. You know. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So let's get into the final question, and this takes us to Facebook. So what made you come up? Because you you have definitely gathered a larger following since you started doing this. So what made you come up with the idea for your Facebook live feed every Thursday? And do you have any memorable moments thus far? Um, okay, so the thing was, when Facebook Live happened, I... I made a response to a video by the group of um, black women bloggers called the Naked Girls, and it made a very homophobic um, video. Mm-hmm. And um, I, like, just had enough. I think at that point, me writing a post would not have gotten me through what I needed to get through, but I thought, like, let me just say what I have to say, because a lot of times people go on Facebook Live to just, like, just to start and be cute. Right. Let me actually substantial and see what happens. Um, it went really well. Um, it felt great. I was already doing YouTube, but also, too, because I wasn't doing YouTube at the time, it, it allowed me to perfect my, my um, public speaking skills. Right. So since doing it, um, I started because, like, I just felt like there was something that needed to be said. I feel like there is something in our community that's just absent, especially since, you know, since where we are now culturally as LGBTQ people is that we, um, that we don't have those, we don't have that leadership anymore. Like, you know, when we were coming up and being gay, maybe us, maybe our that generation might have been the last bit of us, but, you know, we had people who would tell us what to do, how to handle things, how to prep for sex, or, like, what to come up with guys, what not to do, you know. We had that mentorship, but it doesn't exist anymore because, like, cause now it's okay to be out the closet. So these kids are coming out earlier, and they still deal with ill-equipped parents who don't know what to tell them. Right. Um, so, I just find that now where we are, um, that someone needs to be helping these babies out. Mm-hmm. And they should be actually talking about the things that are really going on. And I think people aren't talking about things that are really going on. I think a lot of these, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of these um, social media personalities are doing either A for attention or they're just doing gossip. And that's not helping out to people. Or they, or they are totally just doing the whole man crush Monday whole situation. Like, you know, everything is so sexualized without learning about sex or healthier sexual situations. Like, I talk about sex a lot because I enjoy the fuck out of sex. Mm-hmm. I do understand that there needs to be a conversation about where we are sexually, and, and my thing is that if no one speaks the truth, how are we going to learn anything? The world does not change in silence. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Someone has to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I see all these things, and um, it's helped me to also learn more about myself and challenge some things. I think I think my favorite moment from doing this, um, I think, I think, my, I think my, okay, I'll say my favorite video was the one I did with my boyfriend. That was like my favorite. Um, because people saw a side of me that was much more vulnerable mm-hmm. and I really, people don't see me like blush um, or anything. Um, so, like, seeing me with my partner and being that intimate and seeing us as a couple, that publicly, in real time, was, like, crazy. I thought it was dope. Um, and I think my other favorite moment was when I openly discussed um, about going to jail and having to go to therapy because of going to jail and what I experienced in that moment. And I was in jail, like, literally, like, a half a day. Um, 
what it was for something very, very stupid and it's from living in Atlanta and why um have not been to a back to Atlanta since I left Atlanta. Even though I still have shit down there. Right, right, right. Um, but like I remember how transparent that moment was. I was literally crying through the fucking line. Like I couldn't hold back my emotions at that point because I I spoke with something that was the most validating thing that I think that's happened to me in my adult life. Right. And it was really um that moment where I was like, you know, just just open up and say what the fuck you have to say. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, it's been great. Like, I don't, I love it actually. Like, I actually like, love it better than I love YouTube. Like, YouTube is so, so, I have to do so much work to do a YouTube video. So much lighting and things set up in the script and writing and make sure my hair is done and my beard is laid. There we go. There we go. And that was because, and I've this all the time, you never know who's watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the guy, um, Dr. Ray Holmes, who runs DR Takeover, um, hit me up one day and was like, I want you to do your live thing, but actually live in DR. Right. And I want you to do your thing and help these babies out because you're sharing a lot of great information. And, you know, the funny thing about it was I was in disbelief about it. Until I literally got on the plane that day. I was like, this isn't happening. Right. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm like, because I'm, I, I am passively a pessimist sometimes. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go here to this plane and, and like, they say the plane is canceled or I'm having like some bullshit. They're going to like arrest me. You know, this is not happening. Right, right. And, you know, or the plane's going to fucking crash or some bullshit or like, we like shit right from out of a ginger and the professor and <laughs> You know, well, like, just like, this is not going to happen. But I literally got to DR Takeover last year, and I did the pillow talk, and it went really well. And I was like, it wasn't like you made it. It was like, I'm living my dream, and I'm getting paid for it. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah. And, and when I went back to DR Takeover this year, um, it was crazy because they were waiting on me this year. Mm-hmm. People were waiting to hear what I had to say this year. And so it's it, not, it's letting you know the impact that you're making on social media. It's like it's like it's like literally. It, it's it's. It, I think people don't realize that when your God-given talent is revealed to you, mm-hmm. and then acknowledge that that is your God-given talent. Oh my God! Like I have my purpose. Yeah. And I think a lot of us live. A long time without finding our purpose or not finding it at all. Yeah. And I know what my what my what my what my God gift is, and it's healing and nurturing my community. Absolutely. Through, through sex and and comic relief. <laughs> right. <laughs> like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like 
and I'm working on something else now, um, I won't speak about it. I don't believe I'm speaking on things that are done. Mm-hmm. I'm working on something else now that will give me another forum to do this. And um, life is good. <laughs> Which is a blessing. Absolutely. It is. it is. Absolutely. Well, I would absolutely love to thank you for being on episode two of my podcast. This is just the beginning, and it means a lot to me that you join me. No, I'm like, you know, this is like one of the best things ever. Like, I thank you for inviting me. Like, and you're welcome. <laughs> for inviting me because, like, you know, it's just dope. I, mean, I think the world of you. So, like, you invite me to do this is like the most amazing thing ever. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, the next chapter of this episode for us to get into is what I like to call Pay It Forward. And I do it twice a month. And what we do is that. For any of my guests, I ask that you think of somebody who you'd like to pay this good energy that we just exchanged forward to someone else. This is a way of us being able to, you know, big up small businesses that we may know of or just friends we want to give a shout out to. Just putting that good love out. So you can go first. Okay. Um, okay. First, I would have to say um, go to um, drkiko.org where I will be at next year doing another adult pillow talk. And um, next year is DR Kickover's fifth anniversary. And um, I really hope you all are there. They are doing some amazing things um, for next year. Um, it should be amazing. I really hope you all really come. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to um, my homeboy, King David. I don't know if he's going to ever hear this podcast. I'm going to make him hear it. Um, a shout <laughs> out to my homeboy, um, King David, who just released his whole album on iTunes. And it is on iTunes, and it is his name is spelled K V I N G D A V I D. Um, and definitely like check out his music. And I also want to say um, a shout out to my homeboy, my homegirl, my everything, the overall mother, um, Angelo um, Matthews for his um, makeup line, and um, look him up on. Instagram. His name is Sticks in the City, but he's a small business owner. He has um, his makeup brand, and it's everything. It's amazing, and I think everybody should like go out there and get some. But yeah, that's oh, and, and also a shout out to my to my partner who I love so much, and our cat Patrick, who is my one <laughs> son, my only child right now, my first. <laughs> You're your and first, I, yes. <laughs> I love him. Okay, awesome. And my pay it forward is going to be to a dear friend of mine who actually has his own podcast. He goes by the name of Kevin Dwayne. I'm fairly certain that a good number of people who are listening right now are very familiar with Kevin Dwayne and the Outline podcast. So please make sure you support that brother and listen to his podcast. I was honored to be a guest on there. Uh, Kevin always shows up. And it's something that I greatly appreciate about our friendship. Uh, He is always there. And it has made a great deal to me, especially moving here to Atlanta. Uh, He has definitely always been here for me. We support each other greatly. He's a wonderful photographer. Uh, So if you're in Atlanta and you'd like his services, please make sure that you find him uh, on social media. I believe he is the world of Kevin. Uh, And you can also look for him under the Outline Podcast. I know for certain he is definitely on Instagram under both. You can find him on Twitter under the world of Kevin as well. You definitely want to make sure that you uh, get him as a photographer. And uh, if you're awesome, you'll end up being on his podcast. (laughs) But definitely no support that, brother. He is absolutely deserving of it. 
So we've gotten out our pay it forwards. Now, Mr. Clever, how can people reach you on social media? Um, you can put in my name, which is R-O-D-D-K-L-E-V-E-R. Um, you can go to rockclever.com. You can check out my YouTube, which is rockclever. You can find me on Instagram, which um, which is rockclever, Twitter, which is rockclever, and also on Facebook as rockclever. Um, my live clever show is every Thursday. Thursday at 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah, um, and tomorrow's topic will be body dysmorphia in the gay community. So that should be very interesting. Now, um, when when he says tomorrow, this is actually going to be uh, debuting on Tuesday, but we're recording this on Wednesday. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. It'll be on Thursday at, at 3. But there's always a topic every week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it should be that's where you guys can find me absolutely absolutely and uh as for me if you would like my services for yoga for meditation for reiki all things wellness uh i am online uh under and when i think about this i'm like i have to think of the different ways because i have so many different ways that i can ask you to walk with me on social media uh for me i'm scorpiogi S-C-O-R-P-I-Y-O-G-I all over social media. You can find the love movement. We are TLM. That's W-E-A-R-E-T-L-M. The Healing Space podcast, of course, of what you're listening to right now. uh, Underscore THS podcast. You're more than likely find that best on Instagram. And my company, Revolution. You can find over all platforms, Revolution, L-L-C, R-A-V-O-L-T-I-O-N, <laughs> L-L-C. And uh, I am everywhere. So if you need to be able to have my services and you're not in Atlanta, I teach online as well. So you can get your wellness no matter where I am. With that being said, I would like to once again thank Mr. Rod Clever for being here today. I would thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with the Healing Space podcast. Until then, namaste.